What's up, podcast listeners? Very excited to share another episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast with you featuring Dr. Kaylee McCulley, who is the Associate Dean of Students at Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. In addition to this, she is also a fundamental part of N4A, most recently serving as the Director of Region 5 and has now been appointed to her new term within N4A's strategic plan as Division Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Today's show really delves into LGBTQ plus programming, her consulting practice, which is called Out in Athletics, and how to build a culture of diversity and inclusion within a athletic department as a whole. Now, without further ado, welcome to the Jack of All Trades podcast. Podcast. This is episode 15 featuring Dr. Kaylee McCulley at Lewis and Clark College, and she serves as the Associate Dean of Students, as well as this role. She also works very heavily within N4A as the Division Director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion and also has her own firm called Out in Athletics that focuses in on creating a inclusive community through LGBTQ plus programming for student athletes, staff, and the general student body population as well. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to Dr. Kaylee McCauley. How's it going today, Dr. Kaylee? Very good. Thanks for having me, Jack. Of course, it's my pleasure. So can you give the audience more of a description on what your day-to-day job responsibilities consist of? Sure. So, yeah, here at Lewis and Clark, I serve as the Associate Dean of Students, um, Director of Student Support Services, um, and Title IX Case Manager. So as the Director of Student Support Services, I oversee our office, here in Student Support Services that oversees essentially disability services, but also general academic support for the college. And, and we serve students from our undergraduate college, law school, and graduate school. Um, in addition to that work in Student Support Services, I also oversee uh, the and supervise the director of our College Outdoors program, which is pretty pretty unique um, for an individual coming from a profession in athletic academic support and student athlete development, I think. Um, And then my Title IX case manager role um, involves me serving on the Title IX team. I I basically make sure that our deputy coordinators and our Title IX coordinator is on track, meeting deadlines, making sure we're following through with communication with students. Um, involved um, in those cases, additionally faculty and staff involved in Title IX cases, um, so a case management role with the Title IX team. And that's my my day-to-day. I wear many hats here at Lewis and Clark. Man, that's awesome. And, you know, before, as I mentioned, you did earn your educational doctorate, Um <clears throat> And during that time, you wrote your dissertation on implementing trans, 
gender policy for inclusion at NCAA institutions. What made you want to write about this topic? Yeah, so I, uh, previous to Lewis and Clark, I worked at Texas A&M University Corpus Christi. I was a, uh, academic coordinator and, uh, director of student athlete development there and took, uh, full advantage of my employee benefits and, uh, got my doctorate in educational leadership higher ed while I was there. <clears throat> um, so I think I started coursework there in 2010, and then in 2011, as I was trying to figure out what topic I would pursue for my dissertation, um, in 2011, the NCAA released um, their best practices for inclusion of transgender student-athletes, uh, which is a document that still exists um, and guidelines that are still in, in place today. Um, so at that time, you know, that document came out. I was uh, very interested in LGBT issues in general in, in athletics, inclusion in athletics. And so it was a perfect opportunity for me to take um, that, you know, new, that new best practices document and um, dive into it for my dissertation. Awesome, and you know your past background in that, as well as just during your overall career, you've been very passionate about the subject, and that's why I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Um, and you know, during your career, you've presented numerous times on LGBTQ plus topics. Why are you so passionate about this subject? Yeah, that's. I've Great, great question. And I, yes, I have presented many, many times and have essentially, without an athletics, you know, essentially dedicated that part of my career to creating inclusive spaces for LGBTQ plus um, student athletes, coaches, and administrators. Um, and truly, the reason behind that is because. You know, I identify as a lesbian. Um, I'm very open with my sexual orientation. Um, and as a student athlete, uh, I was a Division three student athlete. I played field hockey and softball at the University of New England uh, in uh, southern Maine. And, you know, while I was a student athlete, um, I came out to my, my teammates, my, my coaches, the athletic administrators that were there, um, you know, that was part of my student-athlete development experience um, and my my development experience as a, as a person. Um, and so that was a, a pretty influential, um, I would say, life event um, as a student-athlete. And then, you know, following that, being a professional in athletics and also you know, identifying as a lesbian and being out in the workplace, you know, had some experiences around that and, you know, just felt like it was kind of my responsibility to um, take on the education of, um, you know, the athletics world in this, in this space and help provide inclusive spaces for student-athletes in particular 
um, but also coaches and administrators in athletics to where, you know, they are safe, they are comfortable, they can thrive and be successful and also be their true authentic self. Um, and so that that's why I do that work. And that's so great. You know, that's that's one of the topics that is definitely coming out more and more frequently is the fact that student-athletes, if they identify under any of the LGBTQ plus classifications, they're more willing now than ever to really talk about it, and it's so great, and I think that one of the reasons is definitely because of your work at other institutions when you present and um, is also without in athletics, you kind of mentioned it before, but why did you want to create this consulting firm? So, I mean, I was doing, like you said, I was, I was presenting a lot. <laughs> so, um, was, you know, going, going to conferences, doing these presentations, especially after I finished my dissertation, you know, I really wanted to share that work with other people. Um, and just start talking about it, like honestly, just start having conversations. Um, and so, what I found over time is, you know, more and more people were were telling me, you know, I want to do this work on my campus, but I'm definitely not the expert. Um, and so, can you can you help me in some way? And whether that be consulting over email or or phone. Um, or coming to campus. And so I think I just finally came to the conclusion where I was like, okay, yes, I, I am the, the expert in this field and let's, let's do it. Let's create a company um, that proactively reaches out to institutions um, to have these campus visits, to come out, um, to speak to student-athletes, to educate coaches, um, to sit down, you know, collaboratively, not just with athletic administrators, but with, um, you know, athletic admins in the room, plus Title IX teams, plus student life teams, you know, start, because I have, I bring those experiences in student life, student affairs, and athletics together. So, um, I try to do that when I when I go into consulting sessions. Like, hey, let's get the campus involved. Um, let's bring in the experts in your community together to the table, so that you know you have a, a better, uh, long-standing, future-proofed product at the end of this thing. Um, so that's kind of you know just by being asked by colleagues and friends to do that work, I just you know, put the business together and started rolling with it. So that's how Out in Athletics came about. Awesome. And, you know, really um, talking about this subject is still can be difficult for others at times just because it's it's always been there, but now it's becoming more popular 
to really talk about. So with that being said, more pressure is being put on athletic directors and, you know, people within a university as well. So if uh, you were to become the athletic director at an institution, how would you successfully create a culture of of inclusivity within the athletic department? Yeah, I think, you know, we talk a lot about uh, campus culture and department culture, and it's about setting the tone um, of expectations. So for so setting the tone for a culture of inclusivity. Um, so, you know, when I think it's important to recognize also on the back end that not everyone has the same level of information, of knowledge, of personal experiences. Um, and so you really have to kind of meet everybody where they're at when it comes to the education piece around LGBT issues. Um, but in terms of, you know, culture of inclusivity, I think we have to, you know, think about all types of diversity and inclusion. So, you know, socioeconomic status, race, religion, um, can you name it, right? Um, working with first-gen students who are also um, college athletes. So making sure that we're talking about those things, making sure that, you know, we're providing educational experiences, making sure we're partnering with um, our on-campus partners, um, you know, who are experts in those fields, so we can do cross-programming and things of that nature. Um, I think it just it comes with setting the tone and setting the expectation from the top, and then your coaches as leaders will, will start doing, you know, similar things within their team, and then your student-athlete leaders are going to set similar expectations for their peers. So, you know, I guess that's the, that's the approach I would take. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so key because, I mean, as the leader of a overall unit, you kind of set the strategic plan in place. And I know that some of the things that you do with Outland Athletics is it's consulting, but it's workshops, and then it's also really drafting and assisting athletic departments draft strategic plans for diversity and inclusion. So, what are some of the key points that you advise others to consider when they're drafting their strategic plan for diversity and and inclusion? Yeah, I think the the main thing to consider is to remember that the the student needs to be at the center of the work that you're doing, and not just student athletes, but student athletes who identify as members of the LGBT community or members of, you know, if you want to go broadly, diverse populations, right? So keeping it student-centered, and by that I mean, like, you have to be talking to those student-athletes. You need to bring them into the conversation. And if you don't know those student-athletes, you need to open it up, like, you know, call for um, call for input, put it out there, Um or, you know, connect with members of those communities within your your campus or in the town or city that you live in, you know, because um, 
if you don't personally understand those experiences, um, you're not doing it justice for for those members of those communities. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one of the main things, keeping, keeping it student-centered. And then I think it's important to, like, uh, con consider that it's a process. Like, it doesn't have to be solved overnight. Um, and it's also not something that is going to be solved, um, ultimately. You know, it's, there, there's always work to be done. Um, and just because you put a policy in place doesn't mean the work stops there. there. Um, you have to continue with education. You have to continue to put the policy in front of people. Um, you need to continue to, you know, make revisions over time as the landscape changes and language changes. Um, so I try to, you know, encourage administrators to think about those things, like what does what does that mean? What does this work mean now, today? But also, what's the impact going to be, you know, ten years from now? So, you know, one of the things I talk about frequently is, you know, let's think about not just think about who our student athletes are right now, but who are our prospective student athletes who are in in elementary school and middle school right now? You know, what are their experiences like? Um, what are they being exposed to? Um, you know, what are some of the topics that they're talking about, and what's their college experience going to be like? You know, when when they're here on our campus. So thinking more more long term than short term solutions. Mm -hmm. And you know, <clears throat> keeping the student at the forefront, regardless of what time frame we're looking at, is extremely key and you know after you go on site visits to these various universities um, how do you assess the impact that you have had on the athletic department yeah that's that's a great question um, I think I still have some work to do <laughs> um, on that on that area um, mostly right now you know I'm just continuing to check in with the institutions that I've worked with. Um, I, I've also formally only been doing this for the past year. So, you know, my um, my population is on the smaller side, so I have the ability to, you know, just continue those personal relationships and do some check-ins and see how things are going. Um, but I think as I expand over time, you know, I'll probably start using assessment more and collecting some data, but I think it's still still early um, to tell, but I'm super proud of some of the work that I did at my alma mater at the University of New England. Um, you know, the um, administrative staff brought me out there, um, and we did um, training sessions with the student-athletes and with um, the coaches, and then also did a consulting session with them to work on some policy um, policy work. And they recently, um, pretty shortly after my my visit there, released a You Can Play uh, project video. Um, they're working on finalizing their transgender inclusion policy. Um, they're doing a lot of work in, in the space. They were recognized by the NCAA by the work that they're doing in that space. 
um, have been getting some local news coverage on the work they're doing. So, you know, I, I think just having that visibility um, and getting the conversation started, like seeing the impact in that way um, shows that, you know, that work has been successful. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think that that really is a testimony to to the work that that you're doing too. Um, and it and it gets this project of um, yours out there even more. But you know, one one of the other things is it's great to have you on campus, um, and the work you do there is tremendous. Like you just discussed at the University of New England, but in order to keep the work continuing, I feel like you have to build programming specifically for student-athletes and staff that really focuses around um, diversity and inclusion uh, for the LGBTQ plus community as well as the other diverse groups of populations at our universities. So what types of factors do you think need to go into building these types of programs? or student-athletes in the um, So, like, if a student-athlete development professional were to want to put together these programs on their campus, is that yeah. mm -hmm. kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think diversity and inclusion is so large of a topic. You know, you could um, – you could do so many programs just in that sort of in that realm. I think it's really important to think about, you know, all aspects of diversity and inclusion. But more importantly, if you're just starting off doing this work, I think it's really important to survey your your student athletes. Um, kind of do. Um, you know, a department culture survey, um, see what the student-athletes are talking about, see what they care about, um, and then and then go from there. Um, you know, get the administrators and the coaches involved, too, to see what kind of issues they've been dealing with, um, you know, inner team issues, um, communication issues, things of that sort, um, and just start one topic at a time. Um, you know, there's plenty of resources out there where you could develop your own programs, but also, you know, there are things that you can pay for to bring uh, experts into campus, but I also think there's lots of, you know, creative ideas where, uh, like, community groups or community centers um, in your towns or cities, you know, those folks are are oftentimes willing to come to campus and um, do some education for um, your students. So not being afraid to reach out and be creative, um, especially thinking about, you know, financial constraints and things of that sort, you know, thinking outside of the box a bit when you're developing programming. Yeah, and I think it does. Key. Um, now to just delve into some of your N4A work, I mentioned that you are now appointed to serve as the Division Director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion within the new Strategic Plan of N4A. 
uh, what does this branch of N4A aim to accomplish, and how can others get involved? Yeah. So it's, I think, a, a very exciting time for N4A with the new organizational structure and um, specifically with the new division director for diversity and equity and inclusion position. You know, I, I think it's, it's got a ton of potential. Um, and uh, at the same time, there's a lot of work to do, um, but also a lot of room for, for growth in the future. Um, so currently, the way the, the division director position for diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is set up is uh, that, uh, that position has oversight of the Ethnic Concerns Committee and, and the LGBTQA plus committees. Um, two very strong student athlete development committees who've been doing work in in that diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Um, both, you know, strong work individually, but they've also historically, you know, partnered on on some events and some programs. Um, so, you know, with the restructuring, those two committees um, are under the new uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion division. So. You know, the position itself has oversight of the work that those two committees are doing. But, you know, also we're, I think the N4A historically has been very inclusive and forward thinking around diversity and inclusion issues in general. And so the board, um, you know, the board really wanted to um, push this new position forward, um, and it came about through, you know, recognizing sort of changes in the landscape of uh, positions that are popping up um, within athletic departments that are specific to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, you know, folks are hiring um, diversity professionals to work within their athletic departments. And so as we look at the changing landscape of our profession, you know, I think there was overwhelming support to move forward with this and say, actually, you know, this is something we have been doing um, as an association, and this is something we still need to continue um, to be the leader on and to put this position in place um, and the timeliness of it with the strategic plan and the 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 reorg um, just made sense. So, you know, that's kind of where things stand now. Um, there's, you know, lots of room for for the work that myself, um, that I'll be doing, and then that future leaders in this position will be doing. So, you know, just getting the association in general to think about, you know, equity um, in terms of, let's just say, you know, scholarship applications or, you know, programming for um, the Steve McDonald uh, Professional Development Institute. How do we incorporate, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion to that? Um, how are we thinking about um, diversity, and equity, and inclusion in terms of, you know, uh, accessibility um, at um, convention, at uh, regional conferences, things of that sort. So just kind of expanding our bandwidth in that arena um, 
And, and then it also, you know, opens up opportunities for, for new committees in the future to join under that umbrella. So for people that want to get involved and are passionate about a, a particular area of diversity, equity, and inclusion and see the need for, um, for, for that work, you know, it's, it's very possible in the future that we'll have additional committees that fall under that division. So that's pretty exciting um, and, and is exciting for me as, as the new division director. Yeah, and, and I couldn't think of anybody um, more like, deserving of having that position just because of the expertise that we've briefly talked about with um, your time in out in athletics and, you know, consulting other people within our industry that we both love so much um, and what you're doing to really promote the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but to wrap up, um, that's three other questions. One of them is uh, if you could give student-athletes three pieces of advice, what would they be and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say... <laughs> I always think of like, what would I tell my student athlete self? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I would I would say learn how to manage your money, um, and and do so very thoughtfully. And uh, um, so money management would be <laughs> something that I would suggest learning about. Um, I would say you know. Try as much as you can. I know time constraints are a huge issue with student-athletes, but as much as you can, try to get involved um, outside of your sport. So get involved with your campus, um, you know, other student organizations, um, other, you know, if there's uh, opportunities for academic research or internships or things of that nature, you know, kind of get out of that athletics bubble and, um, you know, get in, get involved on campus. And then the third, maybe the third thing, uh, I think it's, you know, looking back at my athletic career and how, like, it's impacted my professional life, um, you know, I would probably say don't don't undersell yourself um in terms of your uh dare I say transferable skills um as a student athlete um you know employers are looking for former student athletes they're looking for people who have experienced um you know experienced some of the things that you have as a student athlete you know teamwork um you know, trials, tribulations. Um, they're looking for someone who's determined and hardworking and all of those things. So, you know, almost oversell yourself in uh, the, as you're looking for a job or as you're looking at graduate school or things like that. Um, so those would be my three pieces of advice. And I think that those are really great. Um, the next one is where can people can connect with you, what social media platforms do you use the most? 
Uh, what do I use the most? I uh, people can connect with me for sure on Twitter um, at Dr. K K A Y Macaulay M C C A U L E Y um, for out in athletics um, on Twitter. It's at out in out in athletics. Um, also on Instagram, out in athletics, um, and then. Uh, I'm on Instagram a lot for my dog. Um, have a golden retriever puppy. <laughs> so if you're interested in following cute dog pics, um, you can uh, follow my dog Finley uh, on Instagram. Finley uh, Mick Say on Instagram. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, and uh, I've seen pictures of uh, your dog, and it is very cute. Put it out, that, and it's Thanks. and it's very rambunctious. It seems like. But uh, before I ask the final question, you know, I just want to give you some um, acknowledgement for being the leader that you are within our space. Uh, always breaking down the barriers that might be up, so that we can have a more inclusive community, and you know, just being a example of what you want to see in the in this world consistently not just talking about it, but being about it. And you do that with a dedication that is far beyond what a lot of people could be themselves. So I just want to give you thanks for that. Um, so with that being said, this is the Jack of All Trades podcast, podcast on how to live with virtue. Virtue to me is values that inspire the readiness to transform one's own understanding of excellence part of my personal brand, personal moniker per se. And uh, so the final question is, what's your definition of virtue and how do you live it out? Yeah, so I think, you know, when I think about virtue, I think of personal values and morals and ethics uh, primarily. Um, you know, a, a lot of times when I when I think about those things, I think about, you know, my own upbringing and uh, values that my parents uh, and family instilled on me, um, in me. And, you know, in terms of, I think you, you kind of spoke to this, Jack, a little bit, but, you know, I try to uh, not just talk about it, but be about it and, um, you know, do a lot of self-reflection and make sure I know what's important to me and, and uh try to be unapologetic about um, my beliefs and, uh, you know, speak up for not only myself, but those who might not have the privilege to do so. And, um, you know, I try to, try to infuse that into my, my life as much as possible, although it, it is difficult at times. I think it's really important work um so yeah that's how i would define virtue or at least the way i think about it anyway that is awesome that is awesome well thanks again dr k for being on the show and uh i look forward to connecting with you again soon yeah thanks so much for having me of course Thank you guys once again for tuning in to another episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. 
really hope that you were able to gain some valuable nuggets of information related to diversity and inclusion and specifically the population of LGBTQ plus student athletes, coaches, and staff within your athletic department as we continue to build a culture of comfort surrounding the topics of diversity and inclusion. Tune in to further episodes of the Jack of All Trades podcast featuring distinguished guests such as J.P. Abercrombie at Rice University. And without further ado, continue to live a life full of virtue.